Welcome to the Airline Weekly Lounge. I'm your host, Edward Russell, and this week I'm joined by my colleague Jay Shabat to discuss Norwegian Air's good third quarter and Hawaiian Airlines' struggles during the same period. I hope you enjoy. Hey, Jay, how are you doing today? Hi, Ned. How are you? Uh, doing well. We're in the thick of earnings season. We've had, I, I want to say, more than 10 airlines have gone this week, and, and I couldn't list them all, but we'll we'll discuss a few of them, Norwegian and Hawaiian here today. Yes, yes, two, two airlines uh, with, with interesting calls and lots to talk about. Absolutely. So let's start in Europe. Norwegian Air went on Wednesday, October 26th, and they had a good quarter. They, they produced a positive margin. They produced a small profit. It was, it was a good time for them. Yeah, it was. And just to put some numbers on that, um, they earned a 15% operating margin, which is uh, now 15% sounds very high for an airline, which, which it is. It's good. Now, remember, uh, European airlines are very peaky. They tend to um, sort of, you know, outperform in the summer and then lose a lot, sort of give a lot of it back in the winter. So 15% is, um, is good. It's solid, but, uh, you know, it's not uncommon for Ryanair, for example, to, to do 30% margins in the summer. So just, just a little context for that, but, but they, they have to be pleased. Absolutely. And it certainly sounded like they were pleased on their call. They talked about, you know, meeting many of their goals, yields were up, like you said, 15% margin. Of course, they've got the winter coming and, you know, management was was optimistic about the fourth quarter. So that's October, November, December. But uh, there's still a lot of questions about what the first quarter is going to look like because they did cite high fuel, inflation, uh, strong U.S. dollar as being some concerns. But they're mostly pretty bullish, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. And this the winter is always the big concern, has always been the big concern for Norwegian, and uh, that's not uncommon for European carriers. Um, they, of course, the old Norwegian pre-COVID, pre-bankruptcy, they had a long haul operation, which was always kind of a disaster for them. Um, that's gone. They cut their, you know, lease rates on their aircraft, uh, cut costs a lot on that. So they have a much better cost structure now. And they say, that their contracts, their aircraft contracts, allow them to contract capacity more during the winter, so they can be sort of you know kind of a picture picture an accordion kind of expanding in the summer, and contracting the winter. That can be difficult to do if you're tied into rigid lease contracts, but they say they have more flexible ones. So right, those would be what, powered yeah. by the hour agreements that uh, yeah, they, so they've the touted a lot. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, exactly. So that's very helpful as well. So yeah, so that's that's kind of will be the test. You know, can they not lose that much? But they'll lose money in the winter. That's kind of normal par for the course for a European airline, but maybe not lose that much. Now you um you had mentioned to me, Ned, that uh in their call, uh Norwegians said that they were actually winning a lot of corporate traffic. Right. So that was interesting. The dynamics in in Scandinavia was interesting. So Norwegian said that they picked up, especially in the last month, so that's September, a lot of they're picking up corporate share. And they said that their corporate revenues were back to 2019 levels. Now, the asterisk is Norwegian was is primarily a leisure airline. So that's a, a low base to return to. But they repeatedly cited this pickup in corporate share. And now they didn't mention exactly from who, but we all know SAS is the overwhelmingly dominant corporate uh, business airline in Scandinavia. So that's pretty positive. That's who they're picking the share up from. 
And we've, we've documented here how SCS has been struggling. They filed for Chapter 11 in July, then they suffered a pilot strike. So you know, it seems like these are actually working in Norwegian's favor. And Norwegian is, is picking up those travelers. Uh, and uh, you know, they cited their own internal survey of corporates and said more than 50% of Scandinavian corporates are booking on Norwegian. Now we don't, that's, that's their own data. But you know, it's still striking that, that people are, there's clearly a shift uh, going to, in favor of Norwegian. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's uh, no surprise that they're benefiting from SAS's troubles uh, and their cutbacks. Now, the Norwegian market is a bit crowded because there are some new airlines there. Uh, Fleer is one, is one of them. They compete on some of the same routes. Uh, there's North Atlantic as well. They're, they're just, they're, they're focused on, on uh, yeah, but they're long only hauls. long haul. So really, they exactly. compete with so, SAS and not really Norwegian at all. It, exactly. So they're, they're not much of a concern to Norwegian. FLIR is. Um, now, you wonder, you know, FLIR looks like they may not be long for this world. Well, that's, that's, <laughs> Maybe. Uh, I mean, that's what I want to say is, is uh, Norwegian CEO Geir Carlson, and apologies to listeners if I butchered that. Um, he, you don't speak Norwegian? <laughs> I don't happen to speak Norwegian unless his, their name is Bjorn. Um, <laughs> but he he actually cited Norwegian FLIR and said that there is overcapacity in the Norwegian market. And, you know, we don't SAS is is definitely sticking around. They have you know, equity from the Norwegian state and everything. Uh, but FLIR is struggling. They've already cut back their winter schedule by more than half, which was unplanned furloughed staff. Uh, Norwegian pointed out that they have canceled most domestic Norway routes, which FLIR disclosed uh, at the end of September. So, yeah, it's a it's a good question. Will FLIR be around for for much longer? Yeah, and there's there's a couple other things to note about the Scandinavian market um, that that are relevant to Norwegian and not um, not trivial. So one is that Norwegian. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe they're cooperating now with with Widero. They are. They, a, they launched yeah. a new code share with them uh, this summer. They are not small in Norway. They're, they're a very important important uh, carrier, regional carrier in Norway. So that um, that should be a big positive to Norwegian. And, and just Norwegian remember, cited Norway, that. Norwegian said did they, did they is, it? Okay. yeah is feeding um, that they're is feeding corporate travelers onto Norwegian's network, and that that's part of the share gain that they're seeing. Yeah, there you go. And, and Norway is, is it's a it's a rather large country. If you look on the map, the cities tend to be very spread out. Um, you know, you have some very far up north. Not it's mountainous, so sometimes it's not very easy to connect cities uh, on land. You know, by highways. Um, not a lot of you know train service connecting some of these remote cities. So air service, if you look like per capita, air service in Norway is um, is very high. There's just a high propensity to travel. So it's a, it's a kind of a big market, and and Widero flies a lot of these. A um, couple other notes about the you know competitive scene there: uh, Ryanair, EasyJet, they really haven't expanded over the years in, in Scandinavia that much. I mean, it's it's not that they're absent, but um, and you know there might be maybe EasyJet is sizable in Copenhagen, but they're like in Norway in particular, they're just not that big. They've decided to expand elsewhere. And that's probably has something to do with, you know, these are higher cost countries. Um, well, in addition, I think Ryanair and EasyJet, because Norwegian was kind of overexpanding in the pre-COVID days, I think they said, okay, it's <laughs> those those places have too much capacity already. 
So that, and there's really been no sign that, you know, some of these other low cost carriers like Wiz and whatever, they, I mean, Wiz at one time actually had a base in Oslo, but that goes way back. Um, but they're, well, we, yeah, they're, they're prioritizing, prioritizing other markets. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we saw that during, during the pandemic when I believe it was Wiz pulled back in Norway or it might've been Ryanair, but it's, uh, it's, it's definitely a unique market. And it's one that also, you, you didn't mention this, that trains, I mean, while trains, I believe serve Oslo and, and some of the big cities in the South, they don't serve most of the country. So it's, it's a market where people have to fly. Right. And and just talking a moment for about, about the Norwegian economy, it is a very oil-oriented economy. I mean, very energy-rich. And of course, with oil prices being high, that's somewhat of a hedge for an airline because, yes, your costs are going up because you're paying higher fuel prices, but your revenue strength is also amplified because the oil sector in the country is booming. So it's, uh, yeah, overall, it's it's somewhat of a uh optimistic scenario for Norwegian, I would say. Who would have um, now, who would have guessed three years ago we'd be talking about uh good times for Norwegian? Uh it seems right, like we right. spent a long time talking about their struggles and now we're like, well, Norwegian's doing pretty well. Yes, yes. Seems like they had a very successful bank bankruptcy. They went through bankruptcy at a very fortuitous time. They went very early during the pandemic when the aircraft market was extremely distressed and they could you know, they had a lot of leverage to negotiate leases, renegotiate leases, whereas SAS is going through it now. And we know how aircraft are in short supply. So there's less of incentive for, let's say, a lessor to renegotiate, to give SAS a good deal on a lease. They, they might say, I'll take back that 737 and send it somewhere else. So they Norwegian has that going for them. They went through their kind of bankruptcy cost cleansing at the right time. Absolutely. Well, we're going to have to see how this plays out. Oh, one final thing I wanted to mention about Norwegian is they they did announce a new base in Riga, Latvia, the home of Air Baltic, uh, which will be their first base since the restructuring outside of Scandinavia. And their CEO, Carlson, said uh, it's it's a bit of a test to see how it does. But it's um it's interesting to see them grow. But it sounds like the way he described it, it sounds like they're still very focused on profitability. And if it doesn't work out, they're not about to return to their you know, overambitious, rapid growth ways of, of you know, pre-pandemic, pre-restructuring. Yeah, they, they seem much more conservative, which is which is not a high bar considering how <laughs> hyper ambitious they were for in the, pre, you know, for the in the decade leading up to the pandemic. Um, but yeah, that, that Riga thing is very interesting. I mean, Labor costs and air, other costs are just so high in Scandinavia that there's always been pressure. SAS has done this as well. You know, they started bases in Spain and even Ireland um, just to, uh, you know, kind of diversify their cost base away from, you know, Scandinavia. So that's, yeah, that's an interesting choice, Lafia. Absolutely. All right, Jay, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and, and head to Hawaii. Okay. Sounds good. And we're back. Jay, let's, like I said, let's head down to the Hawaiian Islands, get ourselves a Mai Tai, and talk a bit about how Hawaiian was doing in the third quarter. Yeah, I wish I was there right now. Uh, they are not doing well, Ned. Um, it's they, they actually, of all the U.S. airlines, um, and I'll say of the ones who've reported so far, but I think it's pretty, pretty much safe to say of all the major U.S. airlines, Hawaiian is actually performing the worst right now. 
Uh, they actually were the only ones so far to report uh, with a third quarter net loss. They lost $9 million in the quarter, eight X special items. Um, very tiny uh, operating profit, uh, if you want to you know, count that in their favor. But that still is also just you know much worse than the than the other airlines in, in the U.S. So the question is, you know, what is going wrong? Um, they say demand is, uh, you know, certainly to their kind of mainland U.S. markets is doing great, um, no problems there. People are buying premium tickets. They're experiencing pretty much the big, you know, kind of resurgence in demand that other carriers are experiencing, with with one big exception, um, Japan is a very important market to them. So pre, pre-COVID, it was almost 20% of their ASM capacity. Um, they presumably made a big you know, chunk of their profits there. So that really just opened up this month. So they didn't see that in the third quarter. And during their call, they said, you know, it's starting to come back, but they kind of expect it to take some time. Um, those markets tend to book late, you know, Japanese tourists coming into Hawaii. So they've got a bit of a, a ways to go. Um, now, just taking a look back historically, Hawaiian actually did very well during the Great Recession of 2008 and 2009. Oh, interesting. And yeah, they actually performed rather well. And a big reason for that was their two of their largest competitors, um, which Aloha Air, another airline called ATA, collapsed during that crisis. So they were kind of, you know, they just, they just had a windfall from that. And then... I was looking at these, you know, the the tourism numbers uh, into Hawaii. They did, of course, fall during the recession, 2008 to 2009, but not that much. Corporate traffic was hurt much more than leisure traffic more generally during that recession. And we saw during that recession, that's when Hawaiian really pushed out internationally, if I remember correctly. Like they were doing a little bit of flying to Asia and Australia, but that was sort of when they started really growing and adding a bunch of points, wasn't it? Correct. Yeah, they they grew very rapidly internationally over the course of the next decade, over the 2010s, um, including you know Japan was was really the focus of that. But but other you know they fly to Australia now and added Korea and the Philippines and you were even doing China for a while, etc. So yeah, absolutely that's true. And uh, they reached the point by 2017. That was <laughs> think of like the second half of the 2010s as the Hawaiian Airlines golden years. In 2017, Hawaiian Air was actually the second most profitable airline in the entire world behind Ryanair, um, based on the kind of operating margin uh, statistics that we compile here at Airline Weekly. Um, they were just, you know, they're presumably doing very well in, in the Japanese market. Um, and also with the tech sector, just uh, so much wealth being created in places like Seattle and Silicon Valley. I mean, where do those people take vacations? They take vacations in Hawaii. So they're really benefiting from all that. And they, you know, a lot of self-help initiatives too. They kind of benefited them. They added new planes. Um, they, you know, new premium products. They improved their loyalty program, et cetera. So it was a really super successful airline. And the question now is, you know, can they get back to that? They're having this slow sort of start coming out of pan, of, of COVID. Um, and, you know, the, that's, that's the big question is, is can we return to the, those past glory days or are those kind of over? A couple of developments that are somewhat ominous. One is that Southwest is now rather large in the market and they even fly uh, 
you know, within the inter-island markets within Hawaii. From and that's you know, something they launched and launched in Southwest launched in 2019, just before the pandemic. So yep, yep, yeah, and they yep, used so, the pandemic to expand that basically. Right. So in 2017, as I mentioned, that was their golden year. Southwest was absent from the market, and the ultra LCCs had nothing to do with the market, and um, even the big three were kind of didn't really pay too much attention to Hawaii, or at least weren't expanding much there. So right, that's um, that's it's a different picture now. Southwest is big during the call, actually the the third quarter earnings call. Hawaiian complained rather bitterly about Southwest kind of uh, dumping very cheap fares in the inner island market because for them Southwest just not a priority for them. You know they're more right. concerned about the long haul, and then they just kind of use it as connections. So they'll sell it locally at a very cheap fare. And Hawaiian's not happy about that. Uh, there are some other, you know, kind of ominous developments too, including, you know, the weak Japanese yen, which is going to make it more expensive for Japanese travelers to visit Hawaii. Uh, so that's, um, you know, that's kind of the scene as we get closer, you know, moving as, as, as 2023 approaches. That's interesting. You know, it's uh, Hawaiian, I feel like, has been talking about the reopening of Japan as such a big uh, part of the recovery plan for a while now. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out over the next few quarters. Now, did they mention the new deal with Amazon flying uh, flying packages? The tape got a deal for up to 10 freighters, A330 freighters that they're going to fly for Amazon. Did that come up at all? Absolutely. And yes, we've uh, we've gone this long without even talking about that. That's <laughs> probably should have mentioned that earlier. Yeah, they um, they have this new uh, very um, kind of creative deal with Amazon where Amazon's actually going to take a sizable ownership stake in Hawaiian Airlines and they're going to fly cargo and it's going to be... Uh, you know, a um, a much less uh, I want to say less risky, but they but they're not going to you know Amazon is going to pay for the fuel and um, so they there's less risk in that sense than they have when they're just you know flying scheduled service. So essentially, so it's, a very, it's a margin accretive business line is is what it it should be. Should be yeah, it's almost like you know the way a regional airline like SkyWest would fly for United, they're going to fly for Amazon. It's it seems kind of structured like that, um, and yeah, they absolutely talked about. That during their call, they actually held a, a separate call uh, to to last week to uh, just talk about the Amazon deal. So yeah, it it is a um, uh, it's not going to be you know a huge huge part portion of their ASMs. The you know the passenger business is still going to be the bread and butter, but uh, but yeah, very very interesting that they uh, that they were able to secure that. Definitely, it's it's going to be. I mean. Considering the struggles they're having in the passenger business, I'm sure that'll be positive to, well, it should be positive to their bottom line once it gets going. Of course, that's a second half 2023 event. So we've got a little ways before that happens. All right, Jay, yeah. it's it's always a pleasure to, to chat with you listeners. If you want to reach myself, uh, Edward Russell, email me at er at skip.com. You can reach Jay at js at skip.com. Jay, anything else? I think we've covered it, Ned. All right. Enjoy your earnings and uh, enjoy autumn for those of you in the Northern Hemisphere. Take care. Take care. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. Check out AirlineWeekly.com for a new issue every Monday and updates on the latest airline news throughout the week.